moms, it's me, Cresha, a.k.a. Jackson's Mama, and I'm the host and creator of Momming With Me. This is a podcast where I will share my life of being a mom, and not just any mom, but specifically Jackson's mother, along with all the highs, lows, ups, and downs that I've experienced. I will invite other moms in all different professions where we share our stories, backgrounds, experiences, things that are alike, different, normal, abnormal, and everything in between. This is a safe space to speak freely, seek help and knowledge, and vent. I hope you enjoy the show. You are now listening to Momming With Me. Welcome to Momming With Me. It's your girl, Cresha, aka Jackson's Mama, and you have just tuned in to episode 12. And today I have with me Melinda King. You may remember her from episode 2, Dream Big. Melinda is no stranger to the show. Like I said, she co-produced episode 9, 10, and 11 that we did with Candace Small, the series you just listened to. And Melinda and I are going to do a recap of those things, uh, clear up some things, use the right verbiage since I did not. But I'm going to let Melinda introduce herself to everyone again. Melinda King. Hello. Hello. I am excited to be back. Um, Of course, my name is Melinda King. I am a wife, a mom, a hard worker, and I am excited to be on Momming With Me again. As everyone knows, if you listen to the previous episodes, I wanted to be on episodes <laughs> 9, 10, and 11. I was not invited to be on those episodes. I did get to kind of co-produce, which was good. I'm excited to kind of look back on those episodes and have a different perspective Thank you for having me again, Lucretia. You are more than welcome. I tell you this. So I do the episode. I have to listen to the episode in second increments to make edits. And then when the episode comes out, I listen to it again with everybody else. And then I don't listen to it no more. Well, in order for us to get our thoughts together for the recap, I had to listen to all three episodes again. And I felt (laughs) re-traumatized all over again. Like... I immediately still started flashbacking and thinking about who did what and who said what and why would they say that to me. And so as much as I love talking about this, I think I will be happy when we get past this series (laughs) and I can just start talking about some regular crazy mom stuff, even though in all actuality, this is a part of my everyday life of being Jackson's mom. It's something I have to think about daily. Yeah. However, I don't have to think about some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about. I don't have to think about that day. Yeah. And I might get a therapist so that they can help me not think about those things anymore. I don't want to yeah. think about them anymore. I definitely encourage Black folks whenever possible, if you have the insurance and financial means, to seek therapy. Because it's important. Being Black in this country, in this world, is just within itself traumatizing. Yeah. And so... It's important to be able to have those discussions with someone, process those things, those experiences, so that we can function in a way that is we're just not angry all the time. Because if you keep those feelings bottled up, if you don't have some type of outlet to discuss all of the things that we see on a daily basis, the things that we experience on a daily basis... You're just going to be a mad, angry person walking around and people are going to look at you like you're the problem when all actuality it is the system that is the problem and that is causing all of this internal anger and frustration that will eventually become external because at some point it's going to come out. It's got to come out. It's got to come out. I guess mine probably manifests in cleaning. 
is possibly literally <laughs> in your I OCD. Have OCD because <laughs> I can control that. Yeah. And I can't control anything yeah. else. But one of the main things that Melinda and I both have on our recap list is just thanking Candace and like thanking her for sharing her life, her experiences. Uh, there's no way that that was easy, especially if you're talking to a black person right. because you don't want to offend. And then I'm pretty sure the majority of my listeners are also black. So to worry about that judgment. So Melinda and I definitely both wanted to thank Candace because there, there was nothing easy about that. There were pauses where they were about to be crying. Um, and I just tried to kind of redirect the energy or just take a break and pause and let the cry happen. But we definitely want to thank Candace for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's again, it's not an easy thing to do, you know, sitting where Candace was sitting and especially being as transparent as she was about her upbringing and some of the things that she experienced when she was younger. And so to be vulnerable enough and honest enough to have that conversation is definitely commendable. I will say Candace and I have developed a very strong relationship over the last few few years. I've known her probably five years now, but over the last couple of years, I will say our relationship has developed into something different because we are able to have those conversations. She does ask questions if she is unsure of something or if we're having a conversation and I feel like it's a good time to bring something to her attention. Uh, she mentioned a couple incidents about the books and the dolls that we've had those conversations and it's been healthy for both of us. I think she is so open to the conversation and that's what it takes. It takes folks on the other side, folks who are not people of color to be open to the conversations. When they are, that's when growth happens. That's when change happens. And so, yeah, I definitely want to thank Candace. She is definitely a gold star winner for her participation in those episodes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we could have kept going and kept going, but I had drove to Wilmington and I need to get back to my child before a certain time. Another thing that I just wanted to touch on is that we work with Candace and if we're in a meeting and it's like uncomfortable, like an uncomfortable conversation that have nothing to do with race and just has literally everything to do with work, Candace giggles before she puts any input in or it might not even be her turn to talk and she might let out a little, it is a nervous giggle. There were times when I think Candace giggled to stop from crying because she was literally about to cry, recapping her childhood. So not that it was a big thing, but even when I listened back to the replay, I just wanted to clarify for people who do not know Candace, we know Candace. And if she would have been straight giggling, I would hope that people would know me well enough to know that I'd be like, well, what the hell is so funny? <laughs> so it was not a giggle as if something was funny. It, it was yeah. legit. Yeah, I, it's one of those conversation fillers. We all have them. Mm -hmm. I have a um that I say all the time that Lucretia will edit out. <laughs> <laughs> and once she, when she gets in her editing space, she will edit out all of my ums. I do. I think a lot. I say that a lot. And so we all have those fillers that we use in conversations to get us from one thought to the next. And I think that's just Candace's filler as she's kind of getting her thoughts together. And so Candace is probably one of the purest hearted people mm -hmm. that I know. And she really, to her core, has a 
feel she has a responsibility to not just be not racist, but to actively be anti-racist and to be an ally. And so, I, yeah, I think it's really important that people understand that the giggle is just a filler. We all have them. And it was in no way her making light like, of mm-hmm. anything that was discussed during yeah. the podcast. My filler is I speak slower like this when I'm trying to get my next sentence together. <laughs> and it's actually quite annoying when you listen to yourself back on the podcast. Like, why are you talking like that? Like a robot. <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? So some of the things I'm actually probably going to let Melinda just start off kick off her list because majority of everything on her list is on mine. So I'm probably going to touch on everything just by you starting it off. Yeah. So probably just as I was listening to the podcast again, the first thing that kind of popped out to me was your conversation or your discussion about growing up and having white friends at school, but none of them translating over into the community mm-hmm. or into your your home. And I remember having that same experience. And because I am also dark skinned, I'm darker than Cresha. I don't know if it's different for light skinned black folks. I don't know if if you were a lighter skinned black person, if you had, well, let me back that up. Cause I kind of do. I'm one of six kids. My parents clearly didn't have anything else to do, <laughs> but have children. <laughs> so they, they thought birthing six of us was a good idea. And we're all, all different shades. I mean, it's, it's, it is a rainbow coalition of people in my household. <laughs> and so my sister Tasha, who is the one right over me, is light skinned. She is the lightest of the, well, yeah, so she's the lightest of the bunch. And I remember growing up, Tasha had white friends. And those white friends came to our house. And she went to their house. I was about to say, I don't know if it's different for lighter-skinned people, but I do because I had a light-skinned sister. I absolutely feel it is because at that time, they may have been more comfortable. It was more comfortable for white people to be around lighter black children than it was. Maybe they thought we were more African. The darker you were, the more African you were. They are too close to the motherland for a black child to be around with them. I definitely know it was different just from being in um, FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was literally, that was the first time I had ever been to a white person's house. Yeah. The way the lighter skinned black people were just walking around that house and the rest of us were just huddled in, like we stayed in one spot. I'm not going anywhere until you tell me yeah. to move somewhere. And I don't think that was home training because although I had home training, I didn't always show up when I went other places. Right. So I'm not going to say that was my home training. That was me not feeling comfortable enough to move around and yet nobody telling me, oh, you can move around like they move around. Nobody came over there and said, why why are y'all sitting right here together? Relax. They liked it. Y'all stay over there and everybody else move around freely. So I know for a fact, lighter skinned black people were treated better when we were growing up than darker skinned even in your own family yeah i feel like that's where i experienced it first so so one thing so let me back up so i will go back to what you just said about being in other folks houses funny because i was watching an interview that gabrielle union and Dwayne wade did with oprah 
and talking about having those conversations with their children. And these are rich black folks. Mm -hmm. But having those conversations with their children of when you go over to such and such house, the, the white friends, you are to always be where someone can see, see you. you. You are to never roam around the house. You're never to go in any places where you're not in someone's sight. Because if something comes up missing, if something is broken, they're going to automatically look at you. And so for them to have to have those conversations with their children, and that's recently. There, I mean, that it, that interview was... When they clearly can't afford to replace whatever it is you think is missing. <laughs> right. Whatever got broke. Yeah. But I think it can turn into a situation. I think the theory is it can turn into a situation mm -hmm. that can go terribly wrong for their kids. And so having those conversations with um, their children is, to me, a amazing in the fact that, one, they have to have it because they're rich. <laughs> so clearly money doesn't make you any less susceptible to racism. Mm -hmm. And then two, the fact that we are... In 2021, I think this episode was maybe 2019, that they were still having to have those conversations with their children. Amazed, but not surprised, I would say. Yeah. Not surprised at all. The second thing that I will say is my experience in regards to my family system was a lot different than Krisha's experience in regards to her family system. Again, I'm one of six. We had a rainbow coalition of family of, of colors in amongst the children alone. I am the darkest skin daughter of my parents. And then my younger brother, who is right under me, is the darkest skinned son. So it was only two boys. It was him and my brother Aaron. But my mom worked hard to let me know how beautiful my black skin was. She said it on a regular and consistent basis. I don't recall her having those conversations with my other siblings <laughs> because, you know, I never heard her have those conversations with them. I don't know if she did and I just wasn't around, so I'll have to touch base with them. But I know my mom made it her business to make sure that I knew that I was beautiful regardless of the fact that my skin was darker than everyone else in the family. Um, and I don't even know if she had those conversations with my brother, who was dark-skinned. Mm -hmm. I think she understood that being a female and being dark-skinned was going to be a hurdle. And so it was very important for her to make sure that she did everything in her power to make that hurdle as low as possible. And so I didn't have an experience in my immediate family where I was treated any type of way because the color of my skin and I don't think that my mom would have allowed anyone else in my family to have said anything negative to me because of the color of my skin I think she would have lost her crap and <laughs> it would have been a whole blow up and so I think my family member even if they thought it they did not say it no one said anything about the fact that Melinda was dark skin, very dark skin. And so I didn't have those kind of traumatic experiences. Now, of course, once you get to school and those type mm -hmm. of things, that becomes a different story because you just have different experiences. And we can kind of get into some of that a little bit later. But as far as my family system, I do not have any memories of anyone within my family ever having anything negative to say to me 
about the color of my skin. Now, my uncle, Marlon, who is my mom's baby brother, my grandmother had eight children. She clearly didn't have anything to do either besides <laughs> have kids. And so, and she's West Indian. So that might have just been a thing back then that she just spit out a bunch of kids. She started having kids at like 14. And so, but my mom's, my mom is number seven in line. And then she has one younger brother. And my mom is the only girl. She had seven brothers. And Ooh. so, yeah. And so, was it my was it my uncle Marlon? It was either my uncle Marlon or my uncle Tony. One of them. Jokes. She about to blame y'all for something. Yeah. So Uncle Tony has passed away. God rest his soul. And but Uncle Marlon is still alive. So Uncle Marlon, if it was not you, I apologize. But it was one of those two, which those two are historically known as the two jerk uncles in the family. So they would know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to get blamed on them but one of them did tell my mom when I was born like literally in the hospital oh they done mixed up your baby because we don't have ugly babies in the family and so you need to talk to the doctor because that ain't your child we don't have ugly babies in the family and so and he and wh whichever one of those uncles love telling that story all the time and what I will say is I was I, you know babies go through a rough period you know you like to think your baby is cute sounds like you say he won't lie I, well, he was not. But once I hit two, I, I came into my own and it was all right. But that is probably the only memory. And my family normally tells that just to be funny and joke. But that's probably my only memory. Negative memory. Yeah. 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 So my mom and my dad are both light-skinned. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad also never made reference to my skin tone. Ever. In a negative way. Like, they never made me feel... Like any type of way. It wasn't until I was an adult that I learned that the reason why my daddy always bought me the fly's clothes, the fly shoes, is because he knew that because of my skin color, because of the grade of my hair, he knew that people were probably picking. Mm. So he felt like the more I stood out as far as my clothes and my shoes, the less my dad would make me hair appointments to go get my hair braided and things like that. So my my parents never gave me any heat. I also never told my parents anything anybody ever said to me because I did have the type of mama who was not going to ask you. She was not going to come to you like an adult and have a conversation. My mom was going to come to you swinging because she was going to believe whatever I told her because I wasn't typically a liar. Yeah. I might get in trouble and I might start some stuff, but I wasn't typically one to just make up something to get out of something or to get someone else in trouble so i didn't have the type of mama i could just go tell and process whatever it was because whatever i told her that person was going to have a physical altercation <laughs> with my mom yeah period i however had an older cousin who was gorgeous light skin long hair just gorgeous who always tried to make me feel comfortable in my skin like her light shining, she she wouldn't try to outshine me. She would just try to pull me, come on over here, you know, where I am. So I didn't really have a negative feeling towards lighter people. Again, it was adults mm -hmm. in my family who just made me feel the type of way. Not every single adult, and I don't even have to name who they are. I ain't never going to give an apology, and they probably don't even listen to my podcast. However, <laughs> they made me feel less than which I never noticed carried into the rest of my life. Yeah. It followed me into high school, it followed me into college, and that's why I've always tried to define myself by my job or 
keeping my house clean or having a nice car or wearing nice clothes because I've never thought that my outward appearance was ever a part of what was attracting people to me. It literally wasn't until I moved to South Carolina, which is ridiculous. I was 32 Yeah. when I moved to South Carolina. It was the first time I took a picture and thought I was cute. It was the first time I took a picture and was like, oh, shorty hitting. <laughs> shorty kind of cute. Yeah. And then from that moment on, I was like, no, legit. Yeah. I don't care who is in the room. I am just as pretty as you are. I don't care if you're skinnier. I don't care if you're bustier. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I no longer felt this if I'm with seven girls and there's a hierarchy of who's cute. I'm seven. Yeah. Now when I walk in a room and I'm with seven women, we just all bomb chicks. Yeah. Like there is no, she's cuter than her. She's cuter than her. She's cuter than, than yeah. her. I don't think I realized I carried that legit until I did the episode that I carried mm-hmm. the negative comments all the way until I was 30 freaking two. Yeah. So how did those comments, how did you internalize those comments? How did those comments make you feel about yourself? I always felt tolerated because well, I don't have no siblings. Right. So my cousins are like cousins. Cousins are nice to you when they feel like being nice to you because y'all are like sisters and brothers. Yeah. But because I don't have any sisters and brothers, it took me a long time to understand that that relationship was normal. Yeah. You deal with each other when you want to deal with each other. I'm thinking that my cousin's just low-key mean. Mm-hmm. Or because I'm an only child, it's them against me. And I don't never have nobody to team up with to be against them. Also, my mama did drugs until I was 14. So a lot of my aunts had the responsibility of me for periods of time. And they probably didn't want to. Right. Because I was an only child, they had a bunch of, they had children. Yeah. So to add me to their group of children probably was annoying. And my mama probably wasn't sitting no money. And she probably wasn't helping out like she could. I know that my dad made sure my grandma picked me up every Friday and brought me back every Monday. So they didn't have to have me seven days a week. But just now as an adult looking back on it, they probably were agitated. They had another mouth to feed. Frustrated about anything else they might have been frustrated yeah. about in life. Their own finances and how they're moving, but it was easier to take their frustration out on me. Mm. So I could be in a house full of people and be sitting in the corner by myself. Yeah. Not crying, not sad, but it also could be the reason why I bark and bite. Yeah. Because it's them against little me and y'all not about to have me pumped in no corner. Now I'm sitting in the corner because I'm chilling, yeah. but not coward in the corner. Mm. But it just made me feel like I've, I've never been... I've always been in my own lane. Yeah. And and now as an adult, that's cool. Yeah. I can slide in my own lane. Yeah. But when you just want to be a part of, you don't want to have to be in your own lane at seven, right. eight, nine, <laughs> ten. Trying <laughs> to figure out what your lane yeah, is. Yeah, you want to be in yeah. the lane. And I don't want to make it seem like my childhood was horrible. But I think that if you look at my childhood, you would wonder why my best friends were not my family considering we all lived right there together yeah you don't have you shouldn't have to go seek out best friends somewhere else when i got 33 first cousins right first cousin not second first so there's no reason why right now one of them 33 people is not my best friend friend. yeah yeah i I, yeah i think that's that's definitely a, a hard dynamic because to deal with that within your family system and then to have to deal with that in the world is a difficult thing. 
I, you know, like you, you expect home to be your safe place. Mm-hmm. You expect your family to be your comfort and then to have to deal with that at the house and then have to turn around and go to school and deal with that is traumatizing. It's hard. You know, like regardless of how bad my day was at school, how much, I mean, you know, like I had kids say some mean things Mm -hmm. at school, but I had home. And so, and I knew once I got home, my mama was going to love on me. I was a daddy's girl. I would like, if I could just make it through these eight hours at school, once I get home, you like, I have my soft place to land. And I think part of the reason that I excelled in school was because part, partly because I felt like that was my way of proving that I'm just as good as everybody mm-hmm. else. I was always a A, B student. Always. I always was in the group of honor kids, smart kids. I was award days. Melinda was up there getting all her awards because that was my way of showing you like I'm just as good as everyone else in this classroom. Like you not going to put me in a in a hole or in a in a put in a group of people just because I'm darker skin. Like you're not going to make me feel like I cannot achieve the same things everyone else can achieve. And I think that was a large part of the reason that I worked so hard to be a good student was because that was my one way of showing like uh-huh got yeah. you right <laughs> like What's your test looking like over yeah. there yeah. and then it, but that also then puts you in a position to be the only one there were so many times oh, yeah. where i was either the only one or it was me and one other black person in the room yeah in the classroom in the in the group oh you could walk down newburn high halls and look in the class you're like, oh, that's an AP class right there. Hey, but you're not even in there. That's an AP class all day. And I'm telling you why I know, because I was walking around the hallway, not in my own class, picking in people's doors, trying to see, trying to see what they were doing. Yeah. But I will say that, th
<laughs> that listen to this podcast, their memories will be of when I went off to college and came back. Right. Well, now I'm grown. Right. I choose where I go and where I don't go. So unless it's a particular person I want to see at this gathering, I'm not going. Yeah. I'm not subjecting myself to that foolishness. I'm not coming over here and potentially cussing you out. <laughs> then I got to apologize to the two, three people that ain't never been mean to me because I'm over here tearing the party up. So as an, if you reflect back when I was an adult, then you're not going to be, you're not going to see the same things I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Reflect back to when I was seven, yeah. eight, nine. Look at yourself. Yeah. Pray about it, get right with God. I'm straight. You ain't even got to come to me. <laughs> right. Apologize who you need to apologize and to. And keep it you. pushing. And don't ever do it to anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Is, and, is I, my I, and it's interesting because I think about somebody in your family passed away and I cannot remember who it was. I think it was one of your cousins. And I remember like asking you like, where are you? And you were like, I ain't going to that funeral. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't like everybody. I'm not going around everybody. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing it because I don't know what's gonna come up or come out of me. Just because my mama passing, just I don't know. For me, just gave me a whole different type of view on almost everybody. However, I then realized I don't have to force myself on anybody. I don't have to. I don't have to do anything that I'm necessarily uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. I had two cousins pass. I lived here when one was. When one passed, I, well, I don't know if I, yeah, I lived here, I was pregnant. And I went because I felt bad about the time I didn't come. Yeah. Because I should not have let other people stop me from going to my cousin's funeral. I should have went to pay my respect to her and not dealt with whoever I did not want to deal with. At that time, I may have been a little more raw in my emotions about my mama passing and, and how I felt about yeah. everybody. I hadn't processed all I needed to process to even get past past that part. But it, yeah, there was people I didn't want to see. There was people I didn't want to be around. I, I really was scared of what I would say and I didn't think I would be able to contain myself and that wasn't the time or the place to act ignorant. So my decision was let me stay where I'm at to ensure that I don't make a scene or make anything worse. But yeah, by the time, you definitely don't want your cousin uh, funeral to nah, be a nah, world nah. star because mm-hmm. y'all didn't show nah. all I the way out. <laughs> I, I would leave before I would do that. But if, if that's even a thought or a feeling you have, you got to recognize who you are yeah. and, and where you and where you are. Yeah. There is definitely a certain, a certain amount of freedom that comes when you are at that place in life where you like, you know what? I don't have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like as a child, it's it, you don't have you don't necessarily have those freedoms. It's basically you go where you're told to go, and maybe Mama doesn't know all this stuff is going on in the background. So when she's sending me out to these wolves, she don't even know she's sending me into the wolves. But you know, as you get older and you become an adult and you have these kind of epiphanies, you start like I don't have to be there. I don't have to go hang around these people. I don't have to dip family, not family, friends, ex-friend, whatever. And so, yeah, I definitely think there's a certain amount of freedom that comes along with that. And I definitely feel like being able to process all of this stuff because you don't want to take all of that into future relationships because you do all of that need. And that's part of my journey is my need to be perfect in everything. I, people can't see the cracks in the armor because... So stressful. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. it is. So stressful. It is, and, and as stressful as it is for me, I feel like it's even more stressful for my husband because he gets the blowback from it. Like, I don't want, you know, like, I people have to think my marriage is perfect, my kid is perfect, my house is perfect. Like, there just has to be this allure <clears throat> of perfection. And I think a large part of that comes from having the need to constantly feel like I have something to prove to someone and still, you know, at 38, still trying to get past that need to always be perfect. One of the things that we both have to consider is Jackson and Cooper Mm -hmm. are dark. And I want to make sure that he don't even, he walk in a room, no matter what the color of anybody's skin is, I want him to be confident in who he he is while he stands in that room. Yeah. Don't let nobody in that room knock down, I don't care how many degrees, titles, letters, I don't care what follows. Stand true in in who you are, the man you are, the, yeah. the teenager you are, the kid you are, whoever. I want to make sure I instill those things in him. Because although my parents never said anything negative at all, and I don't remember anybody sitting me down and saying, you're beautiful, you're this, you're this. Now, my dad made sure I had enough confidence not to give my body away. But that's what he was talking about. Right. That was a true blue. Yeah. Yeah. So I thank God I was never like so low that I sought out attention or anything like that in that manner. Yeah. I just want to make sure that Jackson doesn't let anybody else's light dim his. Yeah. Everybody can shine. So that's one thing I'm going to make sure I, I've been starting to try to do positive affirmations with him in the morning. So just making sure that I'm starting his day mm-hmm. and in that way when he's cooper's age that's normal yeah yeah i mean you know my child is chocolate chocolate like he is he is he's a dark-skinned child he has two dark-skinned parents <laughs> so we were never under the illusion that our child was going to come out light and bright like i'm dark skinned my husband's dark skin it just it is what it is i tell cooper all the time i'm just very much like my mom i'm constantly telling him how beautiful his skin is how beautiful he is how handsome he is my mom is still like that she is always telling him how handsome he is how beautiful his skin is you know his grandmother his other grandmothers do it my sisters do it you know every time um my light-skinned sister who is in virginia now tasha every time we facetime and he he has to pop his head in because he's just nosy um she is constantly telling him how beautiful his skin is how beautiful he is how handsome he is and so he gets that fed into him all of the time And my job as his mom is to make sure that he not only knows that his light is bright as everyone else, but his light is brighter than everyone else's. Like, you're not an average child. You're an above average child. And you need to stand in that and and always be yourself. Because I think it's important for him to know as a dark-skinned black male that you don't have to be average you you don't even you you don't even stop at great. You are greater. You can do anything that you want to do. You can be anybody that you want to be, and don't ever let anyone like he. There will never, as long as me and his dad and our families continue to feed into him, there will never be a soul on this earth that can tell him that he is anything other than greatness. Your last name is King. 
God stand knows. in that. You don't let anybody tell you. We don't even call you Cooper. We call you <laughs> Cooper, Cooper King. King. You can get called a king constantly. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Like he has to he has to know that. And so because my thing is the world is gonna tell him something else. This it, it he go to school where he go to school right now is majority white. And his you know, like the staff is majority white. And he will see that throughout his life. He has to, we have to put the confidence in him now so that if even if somebody stand in his face and tell him, you ain't gonna never be nothing, mm-hmm. he that is just gonna duck roll off his back. He that will not even phase him because we've given him enough to know that that just ain't true. It's just not. Yeah. I would hope that my son feels like he can come tell me something without thinking I'm gonna go blow something up or blow some people up. I don't know if I have that self-control. Not with my child. Yeah, but I think that you would at least have enough to have a conversation with him. At least if I would have been bold enough to say something, even if my mama would have went to go fight somebody, she would have came back to me and been able to have a conversation yeah. with me and kind of help me process it. So at least, I mean, somebody would have had a black eye, but at least I would have been had somebody to yeah. process something with me. And the reason why I say that I know my mama would just go fight is because I did. I have come home and told my mama somebody called me ugly because I was crying and she saw me crying and then she flew out the door and then my daddy told me that she beat the lady up. <laughs> but she still didn't come back home and tell me that I was not all those things yeah. that that lady said. Like, I don't, I don't recall having those conversations with my parents either about things that were going on. Well, it probably school. rolled off your back. You won't really worry about it. Carlotta had already talked to you so even if somebody did say something, your your confidence wasn't shook. Yeah, it wasn't rock. Yeah, it, it was. It was hurt. Definitely, it hurt. Yeah, that yeah. It I hurt. think that's where I was at. Like it hurt. It stung, but I don't think it defined who I was. But I also think relationships between children and parents are different now. I talk to Cooper a lot more than my parents talk to us, and not in a bad way. My, we grew up in the age where kids were seen and not heard. These kids are seen and heard at all times. And it's, take over. Right. The whole conversation. I feel like I'm not being seen or heard. Did anybody <laughs> see me crying? I'm home. No. <laughs> anybody care. care what's going on with the mama? No. They don't yeah. care. Jack, as long as Jackson is okay, they don't care what's going on with you. We in the corner quiet and scared. We're going to interrupt their day. Right. <laughs> like, let me check with Cooper and see what he got going on today yeah. and then I'll follow up. But but I think because of the just difference in our generation in raising our kids and how we were raised. I hope that Jackson and Cooper will feel comfortable enough to come to us if something happens and feel like I can talk to them about those things where we may not have felt that way, our parents. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think feeding in to my child is very important. And so I'll I'll lead that into my next point that I had from the previous podcast and one of the things that I wanted to talk about was those kind of conversations. There was a part where you and Candace were discussing, you know, how black people have those conversations with their kids about starting kind of behind the curve. Like mm-hmm. you're always starting 10 steps behind. And do we still have those conversations? Thank you guys so much for listening to Melinda and I recap. But guess what? This is just part one of a four-part 
series. So get ready because the next four weeks are going to be litty. You have just listened to an episode of Momming With Me. You can find me on Instagram at Momming With Me. Again, I'm on IG at Momming With Me. And you can listen to the podcast on all major platforms. I will hopefully have a YouTube page coming soon. Look out for that. I'm your host, Kresha, a.k.a. Jackson's Mama. And remember, moms, you've got this. Peace. Peace.